John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. have accessed entry 342.PS10529, certificate number 41036, The Devil's Hole Pupfish. This continues my new series of shows that are trying to connect with young people by describing an environmental catastrophe and then offering like a weird Gen X, not entirely Marxist take on it. This is so that, uh, this is like a series within a series you're doing? Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to do a podcast and you're like showing up and doing a pop-up? <laughs> hey, during the day we have donuts now at Omnibus. <laughs> hey, buy these handmade bracelets I'm making <laughs> that's, uh, to save the devil's whole pup fish. Devil's whole pup fish? Pup fish. Dev- oh, pup fish. A pup fish is it, a little fish that lives in uh, the... Fresh water or brackish water. It's little. Because there's a kind of dog called the dogfish. That's like a shark. There you go. Is this, a pupfish a smaller dogfish? It kind of, it, it was named uh, after the fact that the males of the species, when they romp and play with one another, these fish are one inch long. They can't romp that much. They romp. And they romp. Can, can a fish, can you even romp in water? You absolutely can romp in water. Have you ever seen two golden retrievers in a pond? Yeah, but that's because they're standing up. And they can, you know, if you're, if you're waiting, you can romp. I feel like once you're swimming, especially if you're underwater, the romp kind of ends. One of these days I'm going to do that episode on that uh, bar in Montana that has the, the uh, glass view window into the bottom of a swimming pool where uh, aqua None. hostesses swim around. Oh, they still have one of those in uh, Montana? Well, last I checked. And uh, you like will see- like a famous see, Florida one, right? Yeah, you'll see the romping. You'll see how rompy That's it is. That's a different kind of romp. That's like- uh, Emmanuel Six kind of romping. Mm, Emmanuel Six, the, uh, the the trip through all the rail tunnels of Africa. I um, I can. I'm here to tell you that the pupfish is named after the fact that they they play with one another, and it's hard to know what defines play. I know, but they interact with one another like puppies. They look and act like puppies. They that don't seems, look like puppies because they're seems fish. Cute. It's cute. They're, but you know, I've had all manner of pet fish. And they were never uh, doing anything that I could describe as behavior in any way. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I mean, they're swimming back and forth, but like nothing that was struck me as ah, this one, this species has a very different personality than that species. Do you remember down in uh, in Seattle's Chinatown International District that restaurant that had the uh, the the fish in the tank that was in the window? Um, 
that uh, the fish had, had to be 4,000 years old. It was covered with tumors. But I used to go down there in the middle of the night when everything was closed and stand out on the sidewalk and the fish and I would look at each other. Did it tell you to kill people? <laughs> no, no, it was, it was, it had a fairly John. benign. The thing is the fish was the size of a, of a, like an artillery shell and it was in a, a tank, no, well, considerably less large than this table and it had nothing to do, but it did, it did make a human to fish eye contact connection with me you felt like it knew you were there well i went often enough that the fish and i can it really see out i thought the tank was kind of mirrored if you were the fish well that's what i always thought too but then you know i would go to the restaurant during the day and i would look out and i know you can't it's not duplicated but i it's not like i tapped on the window i sat there and just looked and it 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 uh hovered in place hey john hey john this is a little parenthetical but there was there was briefly a place kind of between downtown and belltown that was like a it's like a Vietnamese restaurant, but the, the the hook was that in their lounge part, they had a bunch of jellyfish in tanks, mm. like that you would just be surrounded by jellyfish as you mm. ate. But then I, and I went there once and I was like, this is kind of cool. I'm surrounded by jellyfish. But I went back three weeks later and all the jellyfish were gone. And I thought a terrible ecological catastrophe, a mass extinction mm-hmm. has happened at this Vietnamese restaurant and no one's talking about it. Yeah. Well, the temperature of the water probably went up or down two degrees. That's exactly what happened. Somebody came in one morning and, you know, forgot to flip a switch. It came in one morning and there was, there was like a, uh, you know, a mass extinction event of jellyfish. Yeah. I almost said six like very offensive things there and I changed it. I know you were like, Oh no, can't say that. Oh no, maybe probably not. Maybe also oh, not that. Geez, not that either. Let's just say mass extinction again. Ta-da. It was seven inches deep of slime across the top of the pond. Feel bad for whoever had to clean up, but mostly for the jellyfish. Well. And they're next of kin. In this case, the pupfish, it's going to be hard. I mean, it'll be interesting at the end. I'll check in with you to see how you feel about the pupfish. How you feel. I'm going to have to watch some videos. How you feel on behalf of them. That always depends on how cute the animal is, you know? Well, let me describe them. They're, as I say, they're small. Uh, the males are bright blue. Oh, yeah. Look at this. And the females are yellow. And interestingly, they do not have pectoral fins, which is interesting only to ichthyologists. Pectorals would be what? The side ones? What are, yeah, is yeah. that right? They've evolved them away. Wow. Um, they don't need them where they're living, they're where they're so, going. They're so advanced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. They're a future fish. They're a fish into the future. Uh, in particular, the devil's whole pup fish. Uh, no one knows how long. No one knows who they were or, or what they were. What doing? they were doing. No one knows how long they've been in Devil's Hole. Some people say an a, hour. Some, some people say it's been uh, a week, longer than an hour. But but uh, the the range of how long the Devil's Hole pup fish has been an independent. Um, Wait, so it, population. It, it's just its species that only lives in one hole? How big a hole are we talking you about? Have, you have cut to the chase, my friend. The devil's hole pupfish only lives in devil's hole. Hence the name. And not only only lives in devil's hole, but only lives in the top, let's say, 24 feet of the water column. In Devil's Hole. Let me be real for a second. If I was in the Devil's Hole, I would also only want to be in the outermost part of it. Mm-hmm. Just that's just me, though. It, well, yeah, okay. The uppermost part of it. The I upper, guess, yeah, the upper. We're going to say 
Because that's where the fish live. They live up at the top. The fish live at the top of the devil's hole. Hole. The uh, maybe that's very heteronormative of me to say that about about the devil's hole. But how do you mean? Well, I, I you know I assume the devil's a male. Oh oh oh! I see what you mean. What, what uh, if, if I can tell you from personal experience, the devil is not exclusively a male. Where is Devil's Hole? Okay, well, good question. Devil's Hole is in an upper portion of what we call the greater, we don't call it that, I'm going to call it, the greater Death Valley uh, environment. So it's like, it's in the desert, but just outside the park boundaries? It's in the desert, but it is 2,400 feet above sea level. So if you think about mm. Death Valley, the, one of the things that makes it most famous that it's a valley? That it's a valley below sea level. It goes all the way down. But if you uh, head out of the valley, you head into some hills. In either direction, if you go uh, east or west, you go up very steep mountainsides. Now, this is true of many valleys, that if you leave in any yes. direction, you go up. I think you can go uh, north and south in Death Valley, and, yeah. and it's you spend longer time down in the lows. Um, but you have to go up and over if you're going east to west. And 2,400 feet, that's not nothing. Mm-hmm. That's higher than we are here in the bunker. Half a, so it's, but there's a hole in the, there's a cave? What, oh boy. What's going on up there? Yes, there is a cave. I so didn't know there were caves around there. There are caves. And in this case, um, it is a, it's a limestone cavern mm. that's full of. Pupfish. Well, not full of pupfish. That would be nice. It's full of geothermally heated water oh. that uh, is a constant 91 degrees Fahrenheit. It's nature's tropical fish tank. That's right. It's a, And that, for our listeners uh, around the world, everywhere except America, that's 33 degrees centigrade. So nice and warm, um, not all the way to, like, it's not a hot tub and it's not even body temperature, but it's warm enough for these fish who like to live in a narrow temperature range. They've evolved to live in a narrow temperature range. Uh, Devil's Hole is, in one sense, in its surface dimensions, pretty small. Um, It's only 70-so feet long by 11 and a half feet wide. So their whole ecosystem globally is an 11-foot wide by 70-foot long pond 11 feet 11 feet wide. all that's, the all the pupfish in the world live from here to there yeah that's not even as wide as this room and not all the pupfish in the world but all the sorry, devil's sorry, whole the devil's whole pupfish pup there are pupfish elsewhere it's interesting to think how they must have evolved in parallel did they was this all when north america was underwater they got stuck there. So some people say, some people say that the pupfish have been in Devil's Hole for only a thousand years. Some people some, say. Do some old timers say that? Some old timers do. Some people say they've been there 60,000 years. Some people say they washed in in some way, although it'd be hard to wash in. I, that's what I'm saying. They're, they're on like yeah. a hill in Nevada. Some people say that Native Americans carried them there in one of their oh, inscrutable it, journeys. It could have been aquaculture. Yeah. It could have been that they briefly evolved feet no uh, and f- or maybe feathers and ran there from the Colorado River well i mean are you serious cuz there's thousands of miles hundreds well, of miles away well there are fish that will drag themselves over mud like not that not these fish okay it's a long way to tipperary 
There is some, but if, if if introduced in in human history, they would have had to evolve into a whole new species since that time, right? So, which is unlikely. But because it's such a tiny population of fish in I, a tiny area, I guess they would evolve faster, or mutations would you know happen I'm faster. Su- I'm surprised they don't have nuclear power yet. Well, uh, they they had to get rid of their pectoral fins first. <laughs> That's right. They were about to invent the wheel, and then they were like, eh, we don't need we don't need these fins." I don't want to speak on behalf of Native Americans, but I don't think that what it would have taken to get pupfish there and introduce them into this environment would have been worth it uh, for the local people who probably you're just putting yourselves into the head of some hypothetical indigenous people, and you think it would have been a drag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know how, like, how in every dorm environment, there's going to be one weirdo who's really into tropical fish? Mm-hmm. Imagine a Southwestern tribe mm-hmm. where there's, like, one weirdo mm-hmm. who's always going to the tropical fish store and yeah. saving up all his money for a new uh, weird fish. Saw pup fish in a, in a different pond. Are you saying that's his name? Saw pup fish in a different oh. pond? <laughs> hey, saw pup fish in a different pond. Come over here and get these pup fish. Yeah, he, uh, he or she uh, uh, or they would have had to have admired these fish, known about Devil's Hole, mm. felt that the one thing it was missing was fish. And you'd also have to know that they could actually feed and thrive there. because G- Gathered the fish. What do they eat? There must be, is there algae in well, Devil's so Hole? Well, so here's what they eat in Devil's Hole. Everything else that's in Devil's Hole. So they survive by eating. But there can't be that much in Devil's Hole. Well, there isn't. You're, it's, it's, a, it's a hole in Death Valley. You're absolutely right. It can't they, be a teeming. It's not an Avatar movie in there, right? No, they eat. Um, they eat like uh, little beetles, and they eat algae, and they eat snails and tiny crustaceans. All of which couldn't survive also outside of Devil's Hole. Mm. But they're very little, so of course, little things find food where big things may struggle to find food. I on speaking again on behalf of. Uh, Native Americans? Uh, Native Americans. I, I really, really should stop doing this. I, I'm getting very uncomfortable. I don't think that uh, a whole... Oh, look at... Speaking of uh, wild animals. Oh, I'm being stalked by a cat. You are being stalked by a cat. What are you... What exactly do you think you're doing, cat? Does she think she blends in and she doesn't move? Well, I'm, I'm not... I'm not a T-Rex. I'm not sure, but she's really giving you the... I know. The cat eye. Meow. Yeah, no, jump at him. I want to see you jump and attack him. From there. Go. She's like two devil's holes away from me right now. That cat's name is Alieska. She does not respond to that name or to any of the things you would say to a cat. Where's Rudy? Well, now you're being nice and it's confusing her. She did look like she was stalking me, but she's, you know, I I outweigh her by roughly 170 pounds. That never stopped a cat. Come here. This is fascinating audio. Yeah. Don't cut Uh, any of this out. There's a weird cat. That uh, that if it were up to me, would live outside. But it doesn't. It lives here in this house. And now it's eyeballing Ken in a crazy way. Well, maybe if I ignore her, her. I, she I will say come it, to me. But, it, but it's only because she and I have a contentious relationship. Well, one based on love and mutual admiration. I'm going to play hard to get and see what happens. Maybe she'll claw me to death. If I were a member of a tribe that was trying to eke out a living in the upper devil's uh, whole area. Already a tough ask. I don't know how many one-inch fish I would need to eat in order to make it worth bringing them there for any reason other than, like, lol, uh, why don't we bring these fish here? What if it's spiritual? You've already said they're, they're oh. you already said they had a good vibe. They got a pretty good vibe. That It could be spiritual. Who knows? I'm no, I'm no expert on religion. 
one of the things, one of the mitigating circumstances, or I'm sorry, one of the uh, variables here is that although Devil's Hole is 72 feet long and 11 and a half feet wide, it does not have a bottom. That's impossible. Is it? All living things have a bottom. Is it? I have a bottom. You have a bottom. Yes. All the little crustaceans that pup fish eat. You're saying the devil has a hole, but not mm-hmm. a bottom. This is like how many angels can dance on the head of a pen. How can the devil have a hole, but not a bottom? The devil has a haircut. <laughs> he does. <laughs> but wh- you mean it's never been found? So, well, it's never been found. So they, they, uh, they dropped a line down. What are you doing? You crazy cat. She's getting closer. She is. Every time I look, she stops, but she's in a different place. Um, at first they, uh, they dropped a line down there. So the devil's hole was first uh, really investigated only in 1930. And in 1930, the Devil's Hole pupfish was first identified. Not till the 30s, you said? Uh, 1930, so very early in the 30s. Uh, an American ichthyologist by the name of Joseph Wales uh, found the pupfish and recognized that it was a population that did not, uh, it was a completely confined uh, population. Other pupfishes live where? In, in lakes? In oceans? Uh, rivers, lakes. Uh, They're not marine fish. No. Okay. They can survive in like yuck, yuck water, but, they, but they're not ocean fishes. But they're like bottom feeders of, yeah. of, of America's various gross lakes they, and they, ponds. Yeah, they eat uh, beetles and algae, right? Pretty, uh, I mean, thank goodness they're there. Otherwise, can you imagine how gross Devil's Hole would be. Well, right now, this cat's licking part of itself that I would not lick, so. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, she's being very playful all of a sudden. I know. I've never seen this. Um, the, uh, the fish there in the hole, well, so they tried to measure the hole. Um, at one point, they got, uh, first they, they measured it. It was deeper than 400 feet. So then somebody dropped a line and it got down to 900 feet, still hadn't hit bottom somebody got in a scuba gear and went down and uh you could not pay me enough they dropped 11 feet wide and the guy's going down they they dropped another line from farther down and they got to below 1200 feet still had not hit bottom and then i think people were just like no thanks do is this i guess limestone caverns if you got enough limestone you know the the hole will just keep going to the to the depth that it dissolved so that could go down a ways I don't want to jump way ahead, but but now we're talking about Devil's Hole. Here's one crazy thing. In 2012, there was a 7.5 on the Richter scale earthquake in Oaxaca, 2,000 miles south of Devil's Hole. Uh-huh. And that earthquake was 12 miles below the surface, below Oaxaca in Mexico. And it produced a four-foot-tall undulating wave that went back and forth inside of Devil's Hole. Not felt or perceptible even by the most sensitive equipment in Death Valley. Humans didn't know, but the pupfish knew. Well, the the water in the pond, in the hole, what created... I mean, if you can imagine a four-foot-tall... It's a tsunami, tsunami in an 11-foot-wide uh, bathtub. Going back and forth, it's 72-foot length. So that really spooked everybody. 
And this who's, is, who's everybody? The fish? Well, no, the fish just bear it with uh, equanimity. But no, all the people that were like, say what now? The water in this bottomless hole is deep enough that it is registering earthquakes in Oaxaca to such a degree that it's creating tsunamis. So that means, so that just does the waves weren't just propagating through the ground no. from Mexico and then bumping the water and creating some kind of resonance effect. Something actually happened to connect devil's hole to an earthquake whose epicenter was in Oaxaca under Oaxaca. I don't know the, another explanation. The water somehow goes all the way to Mexico. This is, this is, the, the, I'm worried about the crisis on our borders, John. I'm worried about no. people entering America through Devil's Hole. I know. People um, are wondering whether Devil's Hole connects to the water table at some miles deep level that uh, only crustaceans and beetles know about. We're going to build a wall in Devil's Hole. A lot of people, and and I, I share your feeling that... I, it, I don't want to go scuba diving in a big, open, shallow uh, Hawaiian beach. I've never done it, and I'm scared to do it, frankly. I really don't want to go down into like a water column in the middle of the desert that potentially goes all the way to Mexico. If there were like 11 Thai boys on a soccer team, Hmm. I would do it. Uh, Would you, though? Yeah. They need need my help. You'd ask uh, a fireman to do it or something. It's true. I would write a fireman a check. In 1965, a teenager by the name of Paul Giacontieri um, climbed over what at the time was a fence that was built around the hole, and I'll talk about that in a second, with his scuba gear and some some teenagers who were both in Death Valley and also had scuba gear. Who owns scuba gear in the Mojave? Well, I'm not sure. They they were uh, they were you know rambunctious 60s teens, probably wearing white peg leg corduroy jeans. And they were like, I know, let's go up and... Let's take our Woody station wagon to Devil's Hole. Paul jumped in with his scuba gear, went down, and didn't come back up. Oh. Um, So his friend David Rose put on his scuba gear, went down to find Paul. He never came back up. They searched, a team of scuba searchers went down and uh, searched and searched and searched. Are you going to say... They did come back, but they never found them. Um, so there's a secret, a secret world of teens. There's b- belief beneath the waves. There. That's right. Perhaps the the, the, the uh, teens found beautiful mermaids singing to them. They evolved gills and they're living down there. St- they're living in Oaxaca. They've lost their pectoral fins and they're eating delicious mole. So it's a spooky place, and people have been trying to uh, discover have to plummet's depths, and have yet to find really its depths or to know anything more about it other than that it's very small at the top and goes forever. I like a good mystery hole. Yeah. And also the pup fish only live in the top 24 feet, but it is possible that rather than having been brought there by, uh, by like pranking Indian braves, that somehow there was some groundwater burp and they were Sucked in from somewhere else. Yeah, could there be current down there? What what could even have happened? I don't know. And burped up, and it happened fast enough that they survived. I just hope it's a cryptid. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh, After the discovery in 1930, uh, there was then pretty quickly a recognition that this was a weird little cool little thing, and they needed to be protected. Um, So... Uh, in the late 40s, a guy by the name of Carl Hubbs 
appealed to President Truman. Pupfish loving Carl Hubs. Carl Hubs said, "Hey, uh, Mr. President, we need to we need to uh, protect Devil's Hole and these these uh, rambunctious fish." And so Truman made it part of the um, the Death Valley Park at that point. It it had been outside of the park prior to that, but he extended it to include the pond. It's now federal. It's now National Park Service administered. Well, it has a long and sordid history from that point uh, to the present. So uh, people wouldn't leave it alone. Teenage boys and and local hee-haws wouldn't leave it alone. So in 1956, they put a locked gate. Um, one key factor in the geology of the hole is that there is, in this space, this 72-foot-long space, an area that they call the shelf, which is, um, well, as we know, it's 11 feet wide because the pond is 11 feet wide. The, the shelf, shelf runs the length of the... Yeah, the, or sorry, it runs the, the width. width. The width the and length. then the shelf is 16 feet long. So of the 72-foot length of the pond, 16 feet of it is part of this shelf. I think I can make it into a hot tub with very little work. Well, and the shelf is only one foot deep. The See? water is only one foot deep. Perfect. It's a jacuzzi waiting to happen. The fish can only breed in by depositing eggs on the shelf. So the shelf, which is covered with kind of sand and debris, <laughs> is where the fish do their fish business. This is like a dystopian future. Yeah. You can only reproduce if you deposit your eggs in the shelf. The, they have know. to be on the shelf. The council has decided. Uh, because the rest of the pond is a bottomless abyss. Well, I've changed my mind about making it a hot tub because I don't want to... I don't want to just be enjoying Devil's Hole and just be sitting on fish eggs. Right, and this is the problem. People would jump in like, ha ha, look at me, I'm in Devil's Hole. Oh, so they're doing pupfish genocides every time yeah. they splish splash? Yeah, they're screwing up um, They're screwing up the the breeding grounds of the pupfish. Can you cock block a fish? You can if you get down and kick all their eggs down into a hole. Mm. Um, so many attempts have been made over the subsequent years to protect Devil's Hole on behalf of the fish. Um, the thing is that this environment was uh, also being developed by people as, as the West expanded. This isn't down in Death Valley. It's up high uh, in an area that's called the Ash Meadows. So this is not wilderness? I was picturing wilderness. Well, it is wilderness. Oh. But it... Somebody wants to build a dam or a housing development? So in the 60s, uh, a company... Well, in the 60s, originally, a family by the name of the uh, the Capert family wanted to ranch there. The land was bought... Some of... Uh, a big portion of the land was bought from the Bureau of Land Management by a corporation called Spring Meadows. And they wanted to irrigate 18 miles of cropland and grow, you know, what we all should be growing in the deserts of California, strawberries and perfect almonds, you know, all the stuff that requires massive, massive irrigation. Amounts of water from every other state. And what they were going to do is drill wells down into the aquifer and pump the groundwater up. This is, you know, uh, sh shades of the Water Wars episode we did very early on in the program. 
And, uh, and they did drill wells and they did start pumping water. And immediately the level of the water started to drop in Devil's Hole. And there's only, I know it's going to happen, there's only a foot of drop before the shelf is exposed. Exactly. And the pupfish can no longer um, propagate. You cannot drop the water in Devil's Hole. There's only a one foot uh, margin of error. I, too, am always maybe a one-foot margin of error away from having my sex life gone forever. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, and, and your sex life happens on a shelf, but that's part of your, your uh, family tradition. Sure. we always, Everybody has a shelf for this, right? Is it just <laughs> yeah, me? Yeah, your, your reproduction shelf. We don't, you don't have a reproduction <laughs> shelf at home? Uh, the, the, uh, the government eventually told Spring Meadows that they couldn't build, they couldn't drill wells and take the water out within an area of two and then increasingly a greater radius of miles around Devil's Hole. But we know the the sea level of Devil's Hole can be affected by what happens in Oaxaca. Yes. So, well, we found I, that out only in 2012. Oh, At the that's, time, that's new data. Yeah. At the time, it was not clear that that was true, but we did know that you couldn't um, you couldn't drop the water by much. Mm-hmm. And this was, if you think about the Endangered Species Act, it was. Passed in seventy three, but there was also Thank you, President Nixon. There was also a considerable awareness of endangered species at this point, and the the Devil's Hole pupfish was declared an endangered species in nineteen sixty seven. One of the first aminals to to be a, an endangered species. But and, and I, I say this with the nicest possible intention. Isn't it kind of a little bit if it's like. Uh, I'm I'm just gonna die forever if my water level changes by one foot. Yeah, and it's not not the hardiest of uh, there's only of life forms. A couple hundred of them, and they live in a tiny pond in the middle of absolute nowhere. But that's exactly what we need to protect the most. And they're one inch long. <laughs> but they're they're cute. They're cute. They play like little puppies. They're playful and blue. And they're not like other pups. They're the Smurfs of the of the caves. Ken, we've got a new T-shirt design after all this time. It's about time. Yeah, I know. It is about time. And uh, not only is our new T-shirt design cool, but it does not incorporate artwork uh, submitted by one of our fans. It is entirely your and my idea. You wanted a simpler look. You thought maybe the big graphic tees were leaving out an audience who wanted something cleaner, smaller, preppier. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I feel like if you're gonna if you're gonna cover the front of a T-shirt with a with a giant emblem, it should be three wolves howling at the moon. A hundred percent. Whereas if you're going to do as we have done and release two matching T-shirts, Ooh. a match set, one in black says over the left pocket, left breast, compatible with Marxism, mm-hmm. and then a matching shirt. In gray, but that says not compatible with Marxism. Are you with me? Are you with me so far? In hindsight, maybe we should have done Marxism on the left and anti-Marxism on the right. Oh, that would have been smart. It didn't occur to us. Well, next time. But this is your chance to vote with your dollars. Do you want the compatible with Marxism omnibus t-shirt or the not compatible with Marxism omnibus t-shirt? We don't know. We won't know who won the Cold War until the numbers are in. So, futurelings, uh, if you love talking about omnibus and love talking about politics with strangers and economics, which I'm guessing you all do in one form or fashion, these t-shirts are real conversation starters, even if you never, never leave your house. You and your uh, significant other 
or insignificant other, depending on how compatible with Marxism you are. You can argue about the collectivization of farms for days. Yeah, you can wear opposite shirts on certain days and let that, you know, ignite conversation over the breakfast table. Go check out uh, our friends at Mediocrity own the means of production. So go Mm -hmm. to omnibusproject.com slash store and follow the links to these cool new uh, Marxist-themed t-shirts. So it becomes, in this part of California, a uh, a big environmentalists versus... It's a spotted owl thing, but in the desert. Yes, versus ranchers and developers. Because you can't do anything to the wells for miles around because of this little blue fish. You can't do... You really can't do anything. Um, and they all hate it. They all hate that fish. Well, the locals and the... Uh, yeah, the people that um, that want to destroy things just because they're beautiful. Uh, they want to destroy the pupfish just as a matter of, uh, as a matter of just political expediency. Um, but the hippies and scientists, which are, that's synonymous at this time, um, they decide that they need to take drastic measures to preserve the population of pupfish because there are so few of them and they are so vulnerable to even tiny changes and the land around them is being encroached upon by all these new stresses that, um, that they start attempting offsite breeding programs, uh, to sure. Just find a shelf. Yeah. To make enough new pupfish that either we can let these ones die or uh, we can replenish these pupfish because the pupfish in the summer, you know, in the winter breeding season, I guess they breed all year long, but in the winter, their population regularly declines by two thirds. Hmm. And then they have a bunch of new pupfish and they fill the yeah. pond fills up again. And I would guess an individual pupfish probably doesn't live that long. No, that's exactly right. Uh, so lots of attempts have been made over the years to, save the pupfish by by uh, off-site breeding of the pupfish. So one of the first things they did was they tried to build an artificial shelf in the pond that was lower. a little lower, uh, but the fish never used the, the artificial shelf. They didn't shelf. make it sexy enough. Right. If you had just found, I mean, this is just a classic DIY project. Oh, I'll just build a second shelf. But they forgot. The shelf had to be sexy. Um, Then they took a a selection of pupfish from the pond, and they took them to other nearby hot springs that did not have pupfish. But uh, those fish all died. So then there were two separate attempts to to breed pupfish in aquariums. And in both those cases, all the pupfish died. Even in aquariums, they, they're having a hard time creating any environment where these guys will live. Yes. Um, not just having a hard time. They are not at all succeeding. Something magical about the devil's hole. In, One- in 1972, uh, a group of pupfish were, uh, and and w- what they would do is they would go after the pupfish had laid their eggs. Uh, the scientists would go in and collect eggs 
that they knew, you know, only a small portion of the eggs that are, because they breed year round, they know some seasons, the eggs have a much greater chance of hatching than other seasons. And they would go in and the scientists would take a group of winter eggs and then they would hatch them. And so they took some winter pupfish eggs down to the Hoover Dam Refugium for Endangered Desert Fish. Hoover Dam has its very own refugium? Yes. I wouldn't have thought so. Uh, for endangered desert fish. I would fish. have thought Hoover Dam's main job was to kill desert fish. <laughs> In this case, uh, as part of their overall project to kill desert fish, they built a refugium to it probably gets the, it gives them It gives them broader latitude to kill them elsewhere, presumably. If, yeah, maybe so. If you can, you can always move them to the refugium. You can take a, a bunch of VIPs through the refugium <laughs> and say like, look at what we're doing. Do you have a sense of the difference between a refuge and a refugium? Hmm. Uh, I mean, I think the, the proprietor of a refugium is probably wearing a top hat and spats, right? It does sound fancier. Yeah, it does. It sounds more science-y. Uh, they w- succeeded in, in uh, building a population of several hundred pupfish, devil, specifically devil's whole pupfish, in the, refu- in the Hoover Dam refugium for um, endangered desert fish. Uh, but in 1985, uh, somebody forgot to clean the filter, oh, and no. water temperatures dropped by a couple of degrees, and all of the fish died except one. Just like my jellyfish. Yeah. And they moved the, that fish. I guess maybe they took that pupfish back to be with the other pupfish. Another time they tried to, uh, they built a pupfish aquarium refugium. They built a refugium just for pupfish. The Amargosa Pupfish Station. And um, at the Amargosa Pupfish Station, they were they they got up to 121 fish. I would like to imagine it's near the Amargosa Opera House. It's very close. This is, is all right? this you, is you, all part and parcel of the same area. You can finish seeing your uh, performance and then yeah. walk next door to the refugium. Now, while they're attempting to build all these, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, sustain all these populations of pupfish, the land itself is still very uh, disputed. In 1980. Um, the Fish and Wildlife designated 21,000 acres around the Devil's Hole um, as a habitat, a, a, a general habitat that needed to be protected in order to sustain the pupfish population, which ranges from, in the best of times, 300 fish in winter to somewhere in the 900 fish in summer zone. Okay. Although over the years it's gotten down to as few as like a hundred fish alive in the whole. It's an interesting zone. ecological question because normally you're thinking, Hey, we're not going to wipe out this species whole habitat, but we want to supplement that with zoos and, and parks and stuff. But in this case, it seems like the whole habitat could be wiped out so easily because again, it's 11 feet wide. It's the size of your guest bathroom. Yeah. At one point, um, there was a flash flood and the flash flood swept all the scientists monitoring equipment into the devil's hole. And on its way down to the endless bottom, it killed 80 of the pupfish. <laughs> um, Classic zoological blunder. Yeah. Like whoops. What an oopsie for a pupfish expert. Uh, as, but after the fish and wildlife uh, designated this 21,000 acres that same year, 1980, a giant parcel of land 
was sold to uh, neighboring land was sold to the Preferred Equities Corporation. Oh, they sound not evil at all. They're super nice, and they had a plan. Get this: to build residential neighborhoods encompassing thirty-three thousand residential properties, a giant subdivision of houses carved out of the Nowhereville desert, right next to right, right next, next to, to the, the Devil's Hole, close enough to the Devil's Hole that if they because what are they going to do? Lay uh, water pipes from Sacramento? No. They're going to drill down into the aquifer yeah. and take this precious one foot of water, um, even though if it does go... Oh, and also it was then... Uh, we've now seen, we, we scientists who study the devil's whole pupfish. And you're one of the good ones because you've never killed 80 of them with a... Not a single a time. ...dropping a camera. We've seen that the water in the Devil's Hole responds to earthquakes that happen as far afield as Alaska and um, I, I, not all the way to Uzbekistan. But, but when big earthquakes happen that's so crazy, and the seismographs don't pick it up at all, uh, all of a sudden there will be like this huge water event inside the hole. And this is not a resonance thing that we've seen happen in other other little caverns, right? Well, it's, it seems, it's something unique to the weird depth of Devil's Hole. It seems to be really, really surprising to the people who are who are crouching on that shelf collecting winter eggs. I can only imagine. In 1984, no less an environmentalist than Secretary of the then Secretary of the Interior James Watt, famous Beach Boys fan James <laughs> um, Watt, James Watt, who at the time, for those of you who were not teenagers in 1982. James Watt was perhaps one of the most reviled members of Ronald Reagan's cabinet. Uh, Ronald Reagan's cabinet being a true, like, macabre, like, rogues gallery gallery of bad, bad dudes. But James Watt was one of the worst dudes. He actually listed two more species of pupfish that exist in other ponds nearby that are not as endangered. Oh, he's on the good side of the pupfish issue. In this issue, yes. He listed them as endangered species, really putting the na- the final nail in the coffin of the Ash Meadows plan, which was Preferred Equities Corporation's 33,000 Homes plan. James Watt, thank you. James Watt uh, stopped it. And then in 84, the Nature Conservancy, which is a independent environmental Big group, put together $5.5 million and bought all of what was going to be Ash Meadows and turned it then back over to the government. Uh, and I think in exchange for five and a half million dollars from the government, and they turned it into the Ash Meadows National Wildlife Refuge. Mm. So now there is... Is the pupfish all the... Is the whole thing just exists for pupfish? Yes. I mean... I mean, I'm sure there's jackrabbits hopping around up top. Yeah, but, you can walk around and stuff. But the main reason is um, save our... Save our pupfish. Save our, save our pupfish. Agreed. Let's save all the pupfish. Um, it is, though, still, uh, by no means are the is the future of the pupfish. Hold on, hold on. Is the oh, I was just going to ask if the future of the pupfish was assured, and it It seems like it's not. It's not assured. No. Um, Bummer. In two thousand five, so much sediment had washed onto the shelf. That the shelf itself was rising up a, into the into the hot zone. The shelf was getting too tall. So in 2005, the uh, the well-meaning scientists went down and cleared off some sediment from the shelf. Yeah, sweep the shelf, which helped 
Marie Kondo that shelf. But over overall, the population of uh, pupfish still declined. Oh. In 2006, they started to supplement the food supply with more crustaceans and algae and so forth. Didn't really help. Um, in 2016, three local guys uh, ran their ATV into the fence. They tried several times to bash in the oh, fence. Oh, they were trying to knock it over. Beer, could, beer is amazing, isn't it? They couldn't get in, so one of them took a shotgun and blasted the lock off of the fence, at which point they went over to the um, the devil's hole, jumped down on the shelf, kicked the dirt underwater. Like on purpose? This is like yeah. anti-pupfish anti, activism. That's right. Like, we're going to kill the pupfish because this is some sort of uh, hippie uh, COVID right. nonsense. And then I think one of them vomited in the pool because they were drunk. That was probably, on, yeah, that was yeah, just an accident. That was like, a, oops. that wasn't the plan. That uh, hurt some pupfish pretty badly. Well, emotionally, I would, I would guess. Oh, I forgot to mention, uh, in 2006, back, this would have been 10 years prior. Um, they tried again to, uh, develop a breeding population of pupfish outside of devil's hole by taking seven pupfish from a couple of them from the pond itself and a couple of them from a different breeding program where all the rest of them were dying. And they put them in a big aquarium in the Mandalay Bay Casino in Las Vegas, mm -hmm. uh, where it was going to be like a very controlled scientific environment where they were going to really try and figure out how to, there was a shelf and everything. The water was 91 degrees. They found all the pupfish's favorite algaes and beetles. And think about it. You send somebody to Vegas, um, all kinds of reproduction might ensue. Exactly. Think about the shelf there. Yeah. It's a lot uh, of shelves. Uh, but uh, the following year, they all died. Oh. Um, that same year, they found 24 different pupfish that they, uh, by cobbling together some pupfish from this failed experiment, some pupfish from that failed experiment, and they took them to the Willow Beach National Fish Hatchery. Where's that? Uh, in Willow Beach. And uh, they tried to keep them alive, uh, but all 24 of those pupfish died of what they suspect is fish leukemia. Wait. Yeah. There's such a thing as pupfish leukemia? Yeah. In this instance, yeah. Uh, this just seems like this is cursed. Like, God does not want the, pup, the devil's whole pupfish to live. Well, and yet, they live on. They, the pupfish have survived all of this indignity, and... There are still enough pupfish that we're talking about them. To fill a sardine can. Are they still as, just as threatened as ever? Like any little, any little thing going wrong with the uh, devil's hole? They're, um, is their existence precarious? Well, here's a new wrinkle. Oh, no. In 2000, in devil's hole, a predaceous diving beetle was first recognized as having arrived it's from an, who knows where an invasive species an invasive maybe on those drunk guys atv wheels and the diving beetle is not big enough to eat a one inch long fish it's just a, a beetle sized beetle but it does eat eggs eggs uh. and juveniles and it also outcompetes the uh the devil's hole pupfish for all the delicious crustaceans snails and algae and the predaceous diving beetle has not 
they have not yet, uh, we fans of the pupfish have not yet figured out a way to eradicate the diving beetle. So the diving beetle is a new wrinkle that is imperiling the fish. Although the fish, the fish are still fighting. In this increasingly quixotic quest to keep this species that doesn't seem to want to be alive, alive. So in 2000, in the 2010s, a full scale replica replica of the top 22 feet of devil's hole. So that's 11 and a half feet wide by 72 feet long by 22 feet deep. A replica of devil's hole was built. They're going to try to move them and like, let them not know. Like they wake up and they're like, yeah, this is probably the shelf. That's right. Uh, they built a 100,000-gallon tank. Just to fool these pupfish. At a new facility, the Ash Meadows Fish Conservation Facility, inclu- including a spawning shelf. Uh, and they, they populated it with eggs that they gathered in the winter. They treated the eggs with uh, several treatments, antifungal, antibacterial, antiparasite treatments. They successfully hatched uh, pupfish here in the in the uh, $40 million Ash Meadows Fis- Fish Conservation Facility, or the AMFCF. Uh, they, it's been very successful so far. They have uh, more than 50 fish as of 2021 living now a, a separate, separate 50, lives. 50 fish. 50. So they've only spent about a million dollars per fish. In that instance, yes. So... The issue being, I guess, uh, uh, not to both sides, the pupfish story. The life, the existence of pupfish. But a lot of the people in Armagosa County um, have have spent the last 55 or more years watching um, government agents and out-of-state Hippies, do gooders, do gooders, carpetbaggers go to increasingly great lengths <laughs> uh, to save what has never been a population of fish greater than eight or nine hundred one inch long bluefish in a place where now the area is completely fenced off, so you can't go see them. Um, one uh, could, one could argue, yes, that the Christian ethos requires one, like makes you more uh, culpable. For the life of a species that is only eight or nine hundred people. Yes, although I think the people in it, uh, in the in Parump, they would, might be more of a prosperity gospel uh, kind of a town. Well, no, I think they would argue <laughs> that the government agents and carpetbaggers aren't Christians, right? They're a bunch of uh, God, a bunch of godless fish huggers. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, ivory tower atheists. I'm just saying they should love the fish more than anyone because oh, they, they, should. they shouldn't just say, "Hey, uh, the fact that." This is a small struggling species means it's less important to save them. No. Like what have the gospels taught us? The small struggling species needs the most love. Well, we Northwesterners, all of this harkens back to the spotted owl controversy of the 1980s and 90s here in the Northwest, a tiny, tiny owl, um, which was being outcompeted by the invasive barred owl, which required uh, old growth trees couldn't couldn't nest in more recent young growth trees. They Rec- had their own shelf. They needed this special mating shelf. 
The owls themselves were the size of a Diet Dr. Pepper can. And in order to protect this endangered species of, of micro-owls, uh, basically, to hear the loggers tell it, logging was curtailed to the point that it was no longer a... It ended an industry. It ended, ended an industry and threw thousands and thousands of hardworking American loggers out of work, you know, into into poverty, and they all had to go get jobs at fulfillment centers down in Salem, Oregon, where even now their sons and daughters are... are Sadly going to the mall. Yeah, like hucking Amazon boxes onto conveyor belts instead of living their tree, their you know true free lives... As lumberjacks. Lumberjacks cutting down trees, eating their lunch, mm-hmm. et cetera. Putting on women's clothing, exactly. suspenders and a bra. Hanging, on, hanging out in malls. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we spent a lot of time hearing the arguments, both pro and con, for um, tremendous effort and economic t- disruption in order to save an, uh, an endangered species whose overall value to the ecosystem is hard to quantify. I feel bad for the spotted owl because it didn't, it didn't do anything other than get killed and then it was demonized. That's right. I mean – even as we've been doing this show, probably 15 species that have never been invented, or I'm sorry, never been identified, have been destroyed in the Amazon rainforest. We just watched four different kinds of frogs and an ocelot uh, follow the follow these a- animals into I feel for infamy. Them. I make sure I have a little Alderaan moment every day. I know, me too. Um, I, for one, stan our uh, pup fish overlords they're not really overlords well i don't know they get more money than i have the the 200 (laughs) surviving pupfish you could move to parump they're getting more government money than me or mama ever did if you if you include interest each one of them is probably worth 20 million dollars i'm you know i support this kind of effort i think uh every every species deserves a refugiarium yeah and as as they disappear so too you know but i also support relearning uh dead languages and I, um, I believe that no species is an island. That's right, or a shelf. Each each fish's death diminishes me. That's right. Ask That's... not for whom the Oaxacan earthquake tolls. Listen, you're gonna you're gonna quote Kipling. You're gonna be in big trouble with the anti Kiplingists. No, this is okay. This is John Dunn. I'm safe. <laughs> um, but uh, but the controversy continues, and as you know, uh, in this era of uh, the great coming together of all Americans in shared prosperity and belief in the American system. It's amazing how we did that. It's, uh, it's a contentious, a contentious and divisive enterprise out in the middle of a desert that really no one is there. And honestly, no one cares. Uh, but the 200 people that are tilting at one another across this, who will care for the pupfish? 11 foot wide. I mean, you could literally jump across the devil's hole. This is why uh, interstellar exploration is so important. We must find a new planet that has an equivalent 11 foot wide habitat where the pupfish can thrive. No, I mean, I want to find a water planet where the water is always 91 degrees. Half of the planet is a one foot deep shelf. That's a huge pupfish sex party. Yeah, billions and billions of pupfish. And maybe there's a little 11-foot-wide place where humans can stay, and they can argue about whether or not to execute us. There's never, n- not one of them has ever had a pectoral fin. I mean, I think... <laughs> not, a, not a single pectoral fin to offend the eye. I feel like I could live in a 
in a 91 degree pond with a one foot shelf, but every once in a while you want to get out of the water, right? Even a, even a bather like you yeah, sometimes think, has to get up from your shelf. But you know, one foot deep, you could get a lawn chair. And that concludes the Devil's Hole Pupfish. Entry 342.PS10529, certificate number 51036 in the Omnibus. Futurelings as products of our time. The uh, Omnibus Initiative was found online at Omnibus Project. Me and John were, sorry, John and I were at Ken Jennings at John Roderick, respectively. Me are at Ken Jennings? No. Would me be at Ken Jennings, Ken? I feel like I uh, spent so much of my life trying to talk like other people, and now I get weirdos mad at me for talking like other people. Huh. It's the, the the perils of assimilation. Uh, you could email us at theomnibusproject at gmail.com and send physical items. I don't know what you would be sending us in this case. Uh, Pupfish-related uh, gear of all kinds. I mean, I have no doubt that there are hundreds of ichthyologists listening to the show. And some of them probably have very strong feelings about the pupfish. And one of them, at least, is wearing a pair of pupfish skin cowboy boots. Send us your local anti-pupfish uh, buttons and banners. Oh, there you go. That's what I want. There are kill the, the, the pupfish yeah. bumper stickers. Is that right? Yeah. Do you think that there are any kind of, like, big game hunters that, um, you know, in search of the world's most exotic kills have now zeroed in on the devil's hole pupfish? Are you and, supposed to get there? Yeah. Yeah, they're all heading there with little tiny harpoons, like made out of uh, made out of toothpicks. Like they, they're like D and D figurines, but uh, you know, weapons for your for your miniatures that they're trying to use to to execute pupfish. They land in a in a all black helicopter in the middle of the night, and their and their assistant in safari jackets cuts through the fence. Exactly. And they jump down on that one foot ledge, and just some wealthy dentist yeah. from Coral Gables. With his miniature pupfish killing gear, how I how I hate him. It definitely is one of the rarest foods. It's true. Think about that. Do you think they're delicious? Think about the people that are that are eating solid gold ice cream in some New York restaurant right. that costs fifty thousand dollars. Got to have gold leaf on the burger. But how are you going to get that foamed pupfish? I mean, how many sardines are in a can? It's pretty close to a refugium refugium full of pupfish. You know, like forty would be a pretty good breeding year for them and. That's like that's one can of sardines. Mm. Imagine a little can of smoked pupfish. Delicious salty pupfish. Blue, the bluest food. I wonder. I wonder if you pull a pupfish out of Devil's Hole, whether the blue goes away and they just end up being, you know, like all the beautiful uh, fish. Yeah. They're not pretty once they get out of the water. It's, there's a, there's a message there. I bet. Hmm. Um, did I give the address? PO Box five five seven four four, Shoreline, Washington nine eight one five five. A uh, fellow Futurelings can be uh, argued or commiserated with at, at the Futurelings groups on Facebook and eh, probably Reddit and that Discord about your shows or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Discourse. Yeah. Discord, discourse. There all are of, discords. All of the above. But the, the... There's Discord on Discourse and there's Discourse on Discord. There so you it's, go. it's hard to remember which is which for there me. We try to keep the Discord on the Discourse down to a minimum. But I think the people on the Discord are keeping the Discourse going. They're maximizing Discourse. Perfect. Uh, the best way you can ensure the survival, not of the Devil's Hole Pupfish, but of this endeavor would be to go to patreon.com slash omnibusproject and peruse, really, the remarkable and substantive awards available to those who, uh, who, choose, to, who choose to donate. Everything from bonus shows 
to uh, video virtual content to real life content, exclusive t-shirts that you can wear and model. Ken, I'd like you to know today's show was suggested by a Patreon donor and uh, Omnibus Futureling by the name of Robert. As was his privilege for giving at that level last year. That's right. Robert said, devil's whole pup fish. And he gave you quite an elaborate uh, uh, breakdown. He did. Of how, uh, what the narrative arc of the pup fish might be, right? He did. And, in, you know, the, the devil's whole pup fish is one of those shows that even though uh, it was chock full of information, I feel like I could go another hour talking about the devil's whole pup fish. Just based on Robert's notes. Just so much additional information to, to put in there. Um, but you know, we have to, we have to keep it a listenable, listenable length. So thank you for your support, Robert. Thank you, Robert. Um, I mean, speaking of a reproduction shelf, think about all the attention you will get from potential breeding partners when you're wearing an exclusive omnibus donors t-shirt, uh, possibly zero, but imagine almost certainly not zero. It's a, it's a positive amount. There's a love for everyone. And all you have to do is find your, find your shelf. You need to find someone else wearing that same t-shirt mm-hmm. and run toward them in slow motion. Mm-hmm. Carve out a little little place in the sediment. It's good to run at them in slow motion because then they can run away from you at regular speeds in case that is not desired attention. Do you remember when that was the most iconic thing? The chariots of fire theme and people running on a beach? No, zero cultural memory of this. Do you, Except in the crown. Yeah, right. <laughs> when when that scene came on the crown, everybody in uh, sitting on the couch with me was like, "What? No!" Like that's the reveal, the big reveal. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I mean, I think the same producer. This is not in the crown, but the same producer of Chariots of Fire. His next movie was Local Hero, which is a movie I actually prefer. I watched Local Hero two nights ago. No. Two nights ago. Had you ever seen it? I had never seen it. It's fun. I mean, Burt Lancaster is kind of hammy, but... Yeah, he's hammy. It was fun, but again, I watched it with my daughter, and she again looked at me and said, are you kidding me? Why does this exist? Why are we watching these movies? I asked her to watch um, Going in Style with George Burns. Uh, <laughs> okay, why are you recommending? Why are you recommending going? And because I remember <laughs> when I was her age watching it in a movie theater and thinking it was fun. But uh, now I realize that it's a movie for eighty-year-olds, and <laughs> and it just re- recalled to me like, oh, in 1980, we thought a lot of things were fun that aren't fun. That's just we, all we, we had. We, we mistakenly believed, yeah. due, due to a scarcity of options. George Burns was in Oh God. And we thought that was fun, and so... We thought John Denver was an actor. Yeah, John Denver that's was amazing. How, that's how blinkered we were. Uh, and so then when, when, when uh, going to, you know, uh, what, 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 was, what did I just say? Um, going in Style came out. We were like, a George Burns movie. He's back. Um, and uh, not it was not actually very funny. It's actually pretty tragic. I will say that when I watched Local Hero with my kids, I think they were, they did kind of see the charm. Well, yeah, and... and and does, did you know there's a Star Wars tie-in for your daughter? What was the Star Wars? Did you know tie-in? that the local guy that works every job plays X-wing pilot Wedge Antilles in every original Star Wars movie? Interesting. You know the guy who's the lawyer, but also the innkeeper. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Wedge in his actual Scottish accent. No kidding. Oh. You've never seen him without a big helmet. No, I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to mention that to to the child for your second screening yeah that's right we're gonna have to watch it again sweetie <laughs> there's there's subtext we missed 
But yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's also funny how differently paced movies were then. Because all of these movies, you're just like, oh, wait, we're, we're already in the movie. It, this isn't just prologue. This is how it's going. We're going to. It's actually going to be like this the whole time. Yeah, we're going to slow walk this movie. It's very ironic that you're complaining about this 15 minutes into the outro of this uh, Pupfish show when we're talking about George Burns for no reason. We invented slow cinema here on the omnibus. He's kind of, you know, he's kind of great, George Burns. Um, well, I mean, he's got 50 years, 60 years, 70 years to perfect that timing. That's true. Did you know Going In Style was remade in uh, in, nine, or in 2017? What? With whom? Bear with me. Alan Arkin, which you can imagine. He's the George Burns of our era. Michael Caine. And Morgan Freeman with Anne Margaret. Oh, I saw a trailer for this. Yeah. I saw a trailer for this. Going in style. A Zach Braff directed heist movie. But the incredible thing about the original one is it has Lee Strasberg in it, and he was not in that many movies. Just that and Godfather too, Right? So, and, and it had Art Carney doing a Wilford Brimley where he's playing a contemporary of these guys that fought in World War I, except he's like only 60 years old, but he's like, oh, my back. It's like, Art, you're not 89. I don't want to brag, but Going In Style was directed by a guy who actually uh, directed me in a Domino's commercial. Martin Brest? <laughs> no, sorry, the remake. Oh. oh. <laughs> Martin Brest's probably not doing Domino's commercials and in fact might be dead. But Theodore Melfi, who later uh, directed Hidden Figures, directed me in a Domino's commercial before he was all that famous. Well, no, the thing about Martin Brest is he was super young. He was like, oh, he's direct, still alive. Yeah, he was direct. He's not only he's, still alive; he's, he's young. like our age. <laughs> yeah. he, he was, uh, he was like thirty years old or twenty nine years old, and he's directing all these octogenarians. He was in his like late twenties when he directed Going in Style, his yeah. studio debut. Yeah, and then he went on to direct no less a film than War Games, and then topped it off with Beverly Hills Cop. He doesn't have a credit on War Games. It's a John Badham movie. He must have been, he must have been fired. Oh wait, he was fired. Sorry. Uh, but then he directed Rain Man and Midnight Run. Again, he gives pulls from Rain Man. It's a Barry Levinson movie. Oh. Uh, well. He keeps getting fired from things. Wait a minute. I mean, I like Midnight Run. No, he got a, he got a, uh, he got a, a Golden Globe for Midnight Run. Oh, Rain Man, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, he, uh. No, Midnight Run is definitely a Martin Brest. He did, yeah. But then, say oh, Martin Brest joint. Martin Brest wait, job? He did Scent of a Woman, which I can't really support but oh and then meet joe black oof and geely he's on a he's on a hot streak well anyway he's still out there and he's still cranking them out so highly recommended that you go take your take your uh, elementary school age kids sit them down and make them watch going in style great thing about martin brest is he's only um he's only directed his full credited oeuvre is like eight movies mm-hmm. and they haven't been very good since midnight run but you, you know you could watch you could watch his movies on a weekend pretty hot we should have a film festival and oh wait and two of these are student films basically the guy that's made six movies we could watch them in a long day we could start right now we'd be done by midnight hmm. oh. even though meet joe black and son of a woman are both three hours or something i guess i watched meet joe black it wasn't that bad it's famous now because it's got that scene where brad pitt gets hit by the car oh yeah 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 right or somebody else no it's him right he's an angel or the devil or something what is he yeah. he's death oh he's death right He's death taking a holiday. 
Futurelings, from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived. We, until just a second ago, had no idea how long Martin this Bresta outro survived. <laughs> Martin Bresta or this outro had survived. Uh, we hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come. But if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may have been our final word. But if Providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the office.